now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. Wow. I was watching that video and I was like, I'm watching the first service, but that second, that time I was like, whoo, Tanzania, I can't wait to get back over there this summer and just uh, invest in the people there. Again, we got that trip planned. We got one trip planned down to uh, Central America, to Nicaragua. So if you're interested in going on a short-term trip, check it out with uh, Sean Hetty. get in touch with him and he can get you some information. But we're going through this series entitled Make It Personal. And that's been what we've been talking about is just making ministry personal. Don't miss those circumstances that God puts before you that we talked about last week, moments in time that God places you in that he's trying to get your attention. Don't miss those. I told you about somebody I ran into at a hospital in Charlotte in that that pivotal moment, and she's sitting right here. Wendy, I told about you last week that I walked away going, what was that all about? And she's right down here in the front with us today. So you don't miss those moments. You never know what God is gonna do through them what he wants to do and accomplish. But today, we're gonna talk about something that we all love, and that is discipline, right? Everybody leans into discipline, they go, oh yeah, we want more of that in our life. We we want it, but we're not usually willing to do what it takes to get there, right? Because here's what we understand about discipline. It is something that we ought to do, but it's not really something we want to do, which will be me Tuesday morning when it's time to wake up and go to the gym. It's something I ought to do, but I don't want to. If there wasn't a guy that I know that's waiting there on me almost every day, and he's usually late, Mike Chisholm, he's like, we're gonna be there at 6.30 tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. Make sure you're there. And I, it's not something I, I wanna do, but it's something I know I ought to do. And you've got those things in your, in your life, you know? And, and you, you have, you, like, I need to be more disciplined with my money. I need to be more disciplined with my health. I need to be more disciplined with, and you fill in the blank with whatever it is for you. You know it's something you ought to do, but it's not really something you want to do because it takes some work and it takes some effort and it takes discipline. And we struggle with discipline. But if you will step into an area of discipline and you will practice good things like that you need to do, here's some results. Number one, you get some progress. I mean, if you just get up in the morning and say, I'm just gonna run or walk for a mile and I'm gonna do that four days a week, you know, before long, you're gonna see progress. You're gonna get to where your heart rate's not as high and you can go a little bit further and you can run a little bit faster and just progress is made. If you just say, you know, I'm gonna put a little bit more money on my debt and I'm gonna try to pay this bill off and you keep doing that, eventually you make progress. And progress is rewarding and it all comes through discipline. But you also get some freedom. You know, you get some freedom when you start paying that extra money on those debts and you finally get that credit card paid off or you get that car paid off or you get that doctor bill paid off and you go, man, I'm free of that. And it feels good. It cost me some discipline. I had to say no to some things in order to say yes to that. But in the end, it was... Not only I saw progress, but I got some freedom. And in the end of it, I got some, a good feeling about myself. You know, there's just some gratification when you hit some goals. You know, when you, when you train for something, and when you try to lift, and when you try to accomplish that debt, or when you try to live healthier, and you step on the scale, and you go, man, I'm down now. I'm down. And if you didn't show up to the international banquet right now, I mean, last night, you probably aren't down if you, if you were here. But you just see, you get a good feeling about yourself. That's rewarding. It's rewarding, and that's what keeps you motivated. But ultimately, discipline is beneficial regardless of your attitude. Discipline is always beneficial regardless of your attitude. Even if I show up to the gym Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning, I don't wanna be there, 
but I ought to be there and I show up and I still do what I need to do. In the end, it's beneficial regardless of whether I wanted to or not. So today, we're gonna talk about a discipline as we kind of finish out this series and this is the discipline of generosity. And probably some of you are like, ah, talking about money today. Listen, before you tune me out, I want you to hear me out, okay? Because here's the thing. My goal is not to put a guilt trip on you. My goal is not to manipulate you through some cool stories, although I probably could. I know some pretty cool stories that come through generosity, and I could do that, but I'm not gonna do that. I'm not, I'm not here to do that today. Today, what I'm gonna do, we're gonna open up the word of God. We're gonna see what Jesus said briefly about money. We're gonna look and see what Paul said to a church about generosity, and I want you to decide for yourself whether or not generosity is something that you want to apply to your life as a method of discipline or as a discipline in your life in order to have some of those things come true about feeling better about yourself and accomplishing some goals and things like that. Because here's the thing, the private discipline of giving was never meant to be practiced out of guilt or manipulation. That was never Jesus's thing and it was never Paul's thing. As a matter of fact, they told us just the opposite of that. They told us that that was not it. There was a guy who was the chaplain of the U.S. Senate. So he would stand in front of senators, some of those godly men and women probably on the planet. And a chaplain would go in there and talk to them on a regular basis. And one of the things that Richard Halverson said is Jesus Christ said more about money than about any other single thing because when it comes to man's real nature, money is of first importance. When it comes to man's real nature, he says, money is of most importance. And he says, money is an exact index to a man's true character. If you wanna see what a person is like, look at where their money goes. That's what he's saying. And he served in the Senate for a lot of years, from 81 to 95. He was there a long time and had the boldness to make this statement. The rest of his statement was this. All through scripture, there is an intimate, or, yeah, an intimate co correlation between the development of a man's character and how he handles his money. And you know that and I know that. You've known of people, I've known of people that, that are so addicted to certain lifestyles or, or certain things like gambling. I've known some gamblers. I, got, I worked with a guy who was such a, an addicted gambler and every bit of the money he made, he took it to Vicksburg, Mississippi to spend it. it wasn't, I wasn't in ministry at the time, okay? Just to make that clear. Um, this guy was a car salesman with me. He would go to Vicksburg. He was going to a Volvo. We sold BMWs and Volvos when I, when I was doing that. He was going to a Volvo convention down in New Orleans, Louisiana, and was given some money in order for him to be able to pay for his hotel and some things that he was gonna be needing down there. He got $500. So if you leave Monroe, Louisiana, and you drive, you drive down I-20, you hit 55 to go to New Orleans, he took off over there and stopped in Vicksburg, lost every single dollar the dealership had given him for his expenses, had to drive back to Monroe, sold a guitar so that he would have some money in order to go down to New Orleans and do the convention, had to sleep in his car because he didn't have the money for the hotel. And all throughout that time, that was his character. I actually got to lead him to Christ in the front seat of my truck just before we walked into a Mexican restaurant one day for lunch where I normally had to buy his lunch because he was so broke because he was such an addict. Came home one day, he was sleeping on our couch, and Tracy says, why is Kenneth sleeping on our couch? 
I said, he's homeless. His family kicked him out. He has no money. So we brought him in. But this guy ended up, but listen, this statement is true. There is a correlation between the development of man's character and how he handles his money. For you and me, that's the truth. How you handle money says an awful lot about you. How you handle money is an indicator of where your heart is because here's how Jesus said it. For where your treasure or where your money is, there your heart will be also. Because what your money goes after is a signal of what your heart is after. What your money chases is what your heart is chasing. For that friend of mine, he was chasing money on a large scale. He had been to Vegas before and won like $185,000, lost every bit of it. A few weeks later, I was helping him. I was loaning him money to buy him a Happy Meal and McDonald's. But he was chasing it. He was chasing it. He was chasing it. With our hand, or what our hands do with our money, shows what our heart is doing with God. So what I'm doing with my money is an indicator of what my heart is doing with God. And am I pursuing the things that God is all about? Where is God's heart for this world? And do I have my money pursuing those same things that God's heart and what his heart is all about? Because that's what it is an indicator of. And what throughout Jesus' teaching and Paul's teaching, there is a close connection between our wealth and our worship. There is a close connection between our wealth and our worship. Where we send our money shows a lot about what we believe God is doing with us and what God wants to do with us. So I don't want to manipulate, I don't want to, to, to try to coerce you into anything, but I do want all of us to just look at our heart and go, what is my heart about? And is my heart about the same thing that God's heart is about? When it comes to my money, that is the bigger, biggest indicator of that. Another thing that Jesus said, as Luke recorded it for us, he said to them, he said, take care, be on your guard against covetousness. Don't go around wanting a bunch of other stuff and extra stuff. Because your life does not consist of the abundance of your possessions. Life is not about stuff. There's something more to life that's more meaningful. And what we do with our money shows where we believe life comes from. What we do with our money shows where we really believe joy comes from. Or where we believe love or hope or security or meaning in life or freedom. Where we put our money is where we are saying this is where those things are found. And Jesus wanted his disciples to understand something much different. He wanted them to understand that as God leads you and guides you, wherever God guides, God always provides. And he said, I want to lead you to go and make disciples. We talked last week or a week before about when, you, when it goes to going somewhere, don't worry about what's, what you need. God's gonna provide everything that you need. So where he guides, he always provides. And from our passage in 2 Corinthians, we're gonna be in 2 Corinthians chapter nine, verses six through 15. So if you wanna turn there real quickly in your Bible, if not, it will be up here on the screen. But a few things that I want us to look at from this passage. And number one is this, your life is enriched through generosity. Your life is greatly enriched through the private discipline of generosity. Here's what he begins with. He says, the point is this. And the point that he's trying to make refers back to this whole 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verses chapter 9. It's one big thought unit. 
So if you want to understand full context, you got to back up a little bit. What Paul is saying here, he says, the point is this, and he's referring to the fact that there were some churches in Jerusalem that were poor and they had some needs when it came to ministry. And so the churches of Corinth and some of the other churches around Asia Minor, Paul and his team, they would go around and he was telling them, I want you to have some money collected, pre-collected, so that when these guys or when I come by, you can give this money to them and they can take it to the other churches, the other people, the other ministries that have some great needs. So I want you to pre-prepare that so that you can, we can pick that collection up and take it over there. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So he taps into this agricultural um, example, and he says, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You understand this. I understand this. When I was growing up, my grandmother, she loved to plant a garden. Grandma Davis, she loved to plant a garden. She'd be out there, and she just, she'd try to work a, a, a tiller. And you know those old ones you're holding that just shakes your teeth out? I'd get behind that thing, and I didn't weigh 140 pounds, and I'm just shaking all the way down. The rows look like that. And then she'd say, now, now that, that thing that drug down the middle of it would make like a little row. And what you would do is you'd go put the seeds in that, right? And then you'd come back and cover it up with a little hoe or whatever. And so my brother and I knew that we had a certain number of seeds in this packet that she had given us or whatever it was, maybe corn, and we were supposed to plant this row or these four rows with corn. Well, we knew that when we ran out of seeds, we were done. So we would start pretty heavily planting the first part of that row. And by the time you get to the end, you know you gotta have something down there. Grandma would know it eventually. And so we would just kind of heavily plant the beginning of that. And by the end, you know, it's like ever so often. So you'd walk out to the garden and the corn and all this stuff was growing heavily down here. But down there, it got a little thin. And grandma would know that, and she'd kind of watch us. She'd come back before. She'd say, I'm going to cover the seeds up. And she would notice how we would, how we would heavily plant. So when you know that. It's, it's, the, it's the way it is. If you planted grass in your yard, you know that. Where you were thick on the, on the seed, it's going to be thicker grass, right? So whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. This verse has been misused by a lot of pastors, a lot of evangelists. If you'll just plant a seed of $1,000 into the ministry today, we believe that God is gonna give you a $10,000 check in the near future. So go ahead and send that money in. I could make the commercial, but it would be manipulative, and that would not be godly. So we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna, so that's not what Paul is talking about. That's not it. He's talking about the enrichment of your life. We'll get to that in just a moment, but that's what he's talking about. Not riches, enrichment of your life. There's a difference. He says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So what he's saying here is, I don't want you to reluctantly give because if you're reluctantly giving, your heart is not gonna be following that. As a matter of fact, your heart's gonna be pulling away from that and working against your giving. He says, so you've gotta decide in your heart what you're going to give or how much you're going to give so that when you do give it, it's not out of reluctance. It's not out of regret. You don't leave here going, why did I drop that in the offering plate or in the offering box? Why did I make that contribution? He said, I want you to decide it in your heart ahead of time. There's some predetermined amounts. He says, I want you to predetermine that and don't give it reluctantly or don't give it under compulsion. Don't let someone just convince you to give a certain amount of money. The guy standing on the street, on the corner with the street sign, you, you, you feel guilty 
To, you know, it's when you're stand, sitting there and you're like, why am I on the first car and I gotta make eye contact with this guy? And he won't leave, you know? He's missing a leg, you know? Should I give? <laughs> and you're just like, you, there's this guilt feeling that you have going over you and you're like, okay, whatever. I've, all I've got's a 20? Oh. You give him the 20 and you drive away going, oh, why did I do that? You ever done it? I've done it. It's reluctance. It wasn't a cheerful heart. It wasn't, the, your heart's connected to all of this. And what Paul is saying, what Jesus is saying, I want your heart to be all in on it. I want your heart to be all in because when it is, there is no reluctance and there is no feeling of compulsion. As a matter of fact, there's cheerful. There's cheerfulness about it. You walk away going, man, I, I was able to do that and I was so proud. Remember the first time I was able to, to just kind of pull, him out, pull some money out of my wallet and drop a, $100 to, to a missionary one time. We were in West Monroe, Louisiana. You remember this. I was in the car business making more money than I'd ever made in ministry. And I'm walking through the back door and they had the missionary sitting back there. I don't know if this was for compulsion or what, but I'm walking back there and he's just kind of standing back there and something in my heart just said, give him some money. And I opened up my wallet, it was a $100 bill and I gave it to him. And I remember walking away from there going, that really felt good to be able to do it, because I've never been able to do it in my life. Like that really, really, really felt pretty awesome. And it was a cheerful moment for me and for Tracy when we were able to do that. And so that's what Paul is saying. He says, I want your heart to be all in because if it's not, let's check it out because your heart and God's heart need to be aligned together. And when they're not aligned around giving and giving cheerfully toward the things that God's heart is pursuing, then we need to check our hearts when it comes to that. And he says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Basically what he's saying is, I want you to understand that when God tells you to do it, then he is going to follow through with giving you everything that you need. He's all sufficient in every good thing and at all, good, all times so that you may abound in every good work. Where God guides, God provides, and that's what he wants to do. And what happens with us is we kind of believe that if I give $100, then maybe there's gonna be a $1,000 check, or I'm gonna really win the scratch off, or I'm gonna win the lottery, or whatever. How is God gonna reward me? And God is saying, listen, I know what you need more than what you know you need. And so if you will just be a cheerful giver, let your heart pursue the things that God's heart's pursuing, and let your money go after those things. What God is saying, he says, I will have some discernment in giving you every blessing that I know that you need. And it could be lots of other things. It could be joy. It could be happiness. It could be health. It could be peace. There could just be something that you don't even know that you need that when your heart gets on board with generosity, that God says, now, I recognize it, and I'm gonna pour out exactly what it is that you need, the provision that you need at this place in your life. And then he quotes the Psalms and he says, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. What he was saying is, listen, I want you to understand that God is faithful to supplying every need for the poor and he's also going to provide every need for the generous. He's gonna provide every need for the poor, but he's gonna provide everything that the generous need as well for their life and their happiness and their joy and all of those things. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest for your righteousness. Bottom line, God does not ignore generosity. God does not ignore 
generosity. He looks at you, he looks at your heart, he looks at the the motivation behind our heart, and when we give out of that joyous, non-reluctant, not out of compulsion, not out of manipulation, but out of a joyful heart that just wants to pursue the things of God with our money and with our heart. When we do that, God says, I am going to now enrich or I am going to bless them with every spiritual blessing that they need. It might be financial and it might be in the form of of money, but it might be that he does something else in you that you didn't even know you needed and God is saying, I'm gonna give him something he didn't even know he needed and he is gonna feel good about being obedient in this area of discipline. As we think about that, let me ask you this question. What would happen to your giving if you really believe that God sees and rewards it? And if you really believe that God sees your generosity, he sees the heart behind it, what would happen to your giving if you really believe that God sees it and he rewards it? And you might say, well, how does he reward it? Does it matter? It doesn't really matter, right? A reward's a reward. A reward's a reward. If God chooses to bless Tracy and me through generosity by giving us health, I'll take health. If God chooses to bless us by just giving us peace in our heart, I'll take peace. I'll take peace. If God just helps us just be on board with our money so that it gets us more connected in our marriage, I'll take that. I'll take that. If God says that's the reward I need, then I'll take whatever God rewards, ever how God rewards me. If that's what he says I need, I just gotta trust that he knows what I need. So what would happen if we really believed, if we really believed that God sees us and rewards our generosity? He goes on and he says, you will be enriched. There's that word, enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanks. Giving. That idea of enriched does not mean being rich. It's what we've been talking about. It means that your life is enriched through your generosity. Your life is not enriched through selfishness or through covetousness or pursuing all of these other things that God's heart is not after. Your life is not enriched by that. Your family is not enriched by that. He's saying you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in every way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you what you need. If you need to have more peace in your life, guess what? I'm gonna give you that peace so that you can go out and give that peace to somebody else. And I don't mean a peace of your mind. I just mean your peace is contagious. Your, your marriage, a healthy marriage, I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna enrich your life with that. And through that enrichment of your marriage, your life can be, your marriage can be a blessing to somebody else. But I'm gonna bless you according to what I, God says, what I discern is your need. Another thing that happens through your generosity is the needs of others are met. You meet the needs of other people. That's what this, the church of Corinth was doing. When they would give, Paul would come by or, or some of the others on his team, they would come by, they'd collect the money, and then they would take it to a church that had a need. And those churches, their needs were met through generosity. Here's how he worded it. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints. So it was a realistic thing that their generosity was supplying the needs of other people. For us, just to kind of give you an overview, this is a map of the world. If the earth was flat, this is what it would look like. Is the earth flat? No, I'm kidding. You do your research. <laughs> like, what is he talking about? 
Not even funny. Um, but for us here at Charity, we have got all of these different missionaries that we already support and some that we want to bring on. And the only way that we can do that is through our collective generosity. Our goal for our Faith Promise Mission offering this year is $100,000. The biggest offering, if we do that, it'll be the biggest we do have ever done in the history of this church as far as I know. $100,000. We did about 75 this past year. So we're, we're, we're stepping into a little bit more faith here. But some of the ones that we support already, just in the state of North Carolina, there are some, there are some different ones that, that we already are on board with. Steve and Pam Hogg, where are you? Oh, stand up, stand up, let me see you. This is Steve and Pam Hogg. They are with Hands On Missions. He's the director there. Many of you know Steve, love Steve. He used to be a part of our staff here, a part of our church, and then called, God called him to be that. He is with Hands On Missions. They've got some incredible stuff that are going, that's going on, and if you wanna get involved with ministry, see them back at their table uh, here in just a few after the service is over. Thank you, Steve, Pam, appreciate you. Also, um, we've got um, Claire Jewell right back here. Claire, go ahead and stand up. He is with ABWE, and I never can remember exactly what that stands for. Tell me. All right, he is on the West, on the West Coast out there where they desperately need Jesus, right? Amen. And so we've partnered with Claire for a long, long time. You'll get to hear a little bit more from him tonight. But, but that's one of our partnerships, a long term. Thank you, Claire. Appreciate that. Also, um, we have been supporting uh, our missionary down in Nicaragua. We've got Guatemala. We've got Tanzania, you hear that a lot around here. Poland, we've got Caleb, who's over there in Poland. Um, we've got South Africa, this is where J-Life is headquartered. We've got India, we've been supporting uh, people from India for a while. The Philippines, we've got some missionary partners that we support over there. And so all of these we've already investing in, and through your generosity, through your faith promise offering, above your tithe, that's how we've been able to bless so many people around the globe. But there are some more that we'd like to be able to partner with. One of those is a guy by the name of Jacob Ambrose. He is from Louisiana. He's a good, good guy. I mean, some of the best people in the world come from Louisiana, just so y'all know. That's where I'm from, in case you didn't know. Um, but he's with the Sin Network of the North American Mission Board. He and his wife, Amanda, are plant leaving Louisiana where you get the best food in the world, and they're going to Boston, Massachusetts to plant a church. Come on now. I got a daughter that lives in Massachusetts, and I'm like, why? Why? Why would anybody go there? Well, you know why they're going there and why my daughter and my son-in-law are there? It's one of the most unchurched places in the entire United States of America. And so Jacob and his wife are heading up there. We've got so many others. Let me just tell you another one here. Down in Paraguay, or Paraguay, we have Racy and Karen Acevedo. Met this guy with co for coffee the other day. Super young guy, doing some great stuff with Word of Life down in, down in Paraguay. And so we wanna be able to support him and his little family as they are doing ministry there, where he's from, actually. So it's just a great opportunity for us to do that. We've got another one um, down here in Indonesia. We got Jonathan and Diane Lewis from Indon are going to Indonesia. Where are they at? I know they're here. Y'all go ahead and stand up. This is a great young couple. Y'all need to meet them at their table out there. They are going with Wycliffe Bible Translators, and you've gotta tell them to tell the story about how they met. If you weren't here last night, you gotta hear that story. But they are taking their young family, two kids, right, two, two little girls, and they are leaving and going to Indonesia, where he is going to fly into some remote parts of Indonesia. It's the only way they can get the Word of God. She's gonna be working on translating the Word of God into some, some languages there in Indonesia. And we have an opportunity to invest in that. 
unreached people groups in Indonesia who do not have the word of God, you will be a part of that through your giving. Thank you so much for for letting us see you this morning. And so God has just got so many things. And then we've got um, this area, the Horn of Africa. I've talked about this already, so I won't spend a lot of time. But Sudan, Somalia, Ethiopia, Djibouti, these areas where you and I could not go. We would be killed. We would be tortured. But we have some locals, some nationals, who are so lit up about sharing the gospel with people in their own country, and they just need some funding to do it. And we have an opportunity to be a part of some of the most dark places in the world. There's a place just to the top of Ethiopia. It's called Eritrea. I told this story last night. You and I, listen, it is so dangerous for a Christian, but we've got somebody in Ethiopia right now who's willing to risk his life to go in there and share the gospel, and he's done it. Yeah, it's it's a cool story. I don't have time to tell it. So these are our new partnerships that we wanna have. We got Jacob and Amanda Ambrose from going to Massachusetts. We got Sam and Frodo. We can't tell you their names. It would not be safe for them. Then we got Racy and Karen Acevedo. And then we got Jonathan and Diane Lewis. And then we've got World Relief here in the triad where they're ministering to refugees. So this is an opportunity. Through your generosity, the needs of others are met. And we can expand our impact on the world through your generosity. So, and then finally, I want you to see this. Through your generosity, God is ultimately worshiped in parts of the world that he would otherwise not be worshiped. There are worshipers going to be and are in the Horn of Africa that would not be worshipers had it not been for people willing to put their lives on the line and people willing to fund their endeavors, they would not know the gospel. They would not become worshipers. Here's how Paul put it in verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only in supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. I told you about that little country called Eritrea. Very dark part of the world. I'm gonna tell you the story. It's so impactful. This is not for manipulation purposes, just so you know. There's a guy who works with J-Life. He lives in Ethiopia. He knew that just over the border in this little country that is so hostile toward Christians, it's so radical Islam that Ethiopia basically gave this little country, this land to this country and said, listen, y'all are too radical for Ethiopia. Y'all have this part of of the land and keep all of your radicalness up there. And they are radical. The most radical Islamic groups are in Eritrea, possibly in the world, are right there. There was a refugee camp in Eritrea, and this particular guy from J-Life was sneaking across the border, sharing the gospel in a refugee camp. And he would sneak back across before he'd get killed. And he'd sneak back in. He did this multiple times. Well, he had a chance to come to the U.S. a few months ago. I had a chance to have lunch with him. But while he was here, There's a refugee camp, a a group of refugees up in the Raleigh-Durham area. There's also one in the Charlotte area. From Eritrea, coming over here, being refugees out of their country. One of those refugees in the the Raleigh-Durham area heard about this guy from J-Life, that he was here in the U.S., and he wanted to meet him. Do you know why he wanted to meet him? 
Because one of the times that he snuck across the border and shared the gospel, this young man gave his life to Christ and is now living in the United States. And somebody from there said, listen, when you go to the US, you're not going there as a vacation. You're going there on mission for God. Share the gospel. So he is working with the refugees, the Eritrean refugees in the Raleigh-Durham area, and they're trying to get something going in the Charlotte area. That's what you have a part of funding, somebody who has that amount of boldness. And they're overflowing in thanksgiving to God. They're worshiping God because of Charity Baptist Church's generosity and through our giving and through what we're doing here. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel. Basically what Paul is saying here in summary is saying, you claim to be a follower of God, a follower of Jesus, let your money follow the things that God wants it to follow. And that is living proof of your confession of the gospel. What you're doing with your life is living proof of your confession of the gospel. I wanna be a devoted follower of Jesus. My money's gonna flow that way. My life is gonna flow that way. My purpose is going to flow that way. And the generosity of your contribution for them all and for others. So generosity increases our faith not just the faith of the giver, but also of the receiver. Because it's not just about meeting needs. What your generosity does and what mine does, it increases my faith. When I hear stories like that one, my faith is increased. I'm going, how can I fund more of that? Because that's what my life and that's what your life should be about. And that is the gospel being known in parts of the world that it would not otherwise be known in. And if when I hear a story like that, when I hear stories from these different missionaries that come in here and, and it just share these, my heart is just burdened for that. I'm like, why can't I just give more and more and more toward that? It's not just to me. It increases my faith and it increases their faith as well. And he says, finally, while, you long for, while they long for you and they pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. There are people in parts of the world right now that are praying for charity this morning missionaries in other parts of the world praying for us today because of our generosity. It's reciprocal. We're praying for them, they're praying for us, and the kingdom of God is growing as a result. And then finally, Paul finishes up. He says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift, the inexpressible gift of the gospel. He said, that's what this is all. It's not about your money. It's all about the gospel. And if you are on board with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, and that is good news for the entire world, then let's put our money where our heart is. Let's do it. Because God uses the private discipline of generosity to spread the gospel and strengthen our faith. To which I ask, how much are you ready to invest? Where is your heart in this matter? Not out of compulsion, not with any kind of regret, but just because your heart wants to pursue the things that God is pursuing in and around the world. And the best way we can do that right now as a church body, or one of the ways, is through our money. So here's how we do it around here. We have a thing we call Faith Promise Mission Offering. It's above and beyond our other offerings that we do. And we contribute to that either weekly, monthly, or one time, whatever you would choose to do. You can pull this, you can pull your phone out if you're a little techie, 
Open up your camera like so, point it to the QR code, either this one or the one on the pew in front of you, click on it, not, not click on it, click on the little site that pops up. And when you get there, the very top op opportunity there is Faith Promise. And when you pull that up, there's a form. You can just fill it out. And the purpose of getting this form filled out, you can put anonymous on both lines, I don't care. If you don't want anybody to know what your pledge is, but this helps us budget. This helps us tell um, these missionaries that we wanna bring on board that, hey, we are going to be able to fund you. We are gonna be able to support what you're doing. Or you can just simply go to charity.church. Um, uh, if you hit, click on the watch tab right now, Lucas has put a tab on there that you can just hit the, uh, the, 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 the button there that allow you to go and make your pledge, the pledge button. And if, I, if you will just take a moment right now or maybe you need to talk it over with your spouse or whatever, do it sometime before the day's over or this week. We'll mention it to you a few more times just to kind of get our budget built for this coming year. But this is what God is saying. This is a way, this is what Paul was doing to the church of Corinth. He was saying, collect the money and then when I come along or one of my ministry partners comes along, we can collect that money and we can take it to where it's going to be used to encourage the saints in another part of the world. And that's why we do it the way we do it. Gives us an opportunity to step in by faith and saying, listen, I wanna give $30 a month or I wanna give $100 a month or whatever it is that God puts on your heart. $10, whatever it is. I don't know where it's gonna come from, but by faith, I'm gonna say, I'll do it. And you might have to skip a coffee here and there. You might have to skip a lunch out sometime. You might have to you know, cut back somewhere to do it. But listen, this is, this is eternal impact that you and I get to make through a few dollars a month. Stuff that we're probably gonna blow it on something anyway. Why not invest it in faith promise? So as you stand together, let's just pray that God will help us to be a cheerful giver and that our hearts will follow what his heart is after and that our money will be right there behind it. Father, we're so thankful. We're so thankful that you just give us an opportunity to be a part of something bigger than us. And Lord, today I just pray for all of those here in the building or watching online as you as you place something in our heart, because I just believe you will, I pray that we will do that cheerfully, that we pledge that and follow through with that over the next 12 months so that we can do whatever we can to make the gospel known in parts of the world that we may never get to go to. So do a work in us, Jesus. In Christ's name we pray, amen.